Hello, greetings and welcome. This is Alchemy. It's our first show of 2016. A happy new year to you all. And we're looking forward here in Alchemy to a great year with lots of exciting content. We're free and on demand from iTunes and alchemyradio.net. And you can follow us and join the Alchemy community on Facebook and Twitter. So don't be shy. Say hello. We exist, of course, thanks to your kind donations, so a big thank you to everybody who does so via our website. We're completely non-profit and intend to keep it that way. So, on to the show. Alchemy. 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 Our guest this episode is Peter Cowman. Peter runs the Living Architecture Centre, which is a school of vernacular architecture. He is, of course, an architect, an eco-builder, a writer and teacher, delivering courses and workshops internationally. Peter was born in Ireland and has just returned from a spell living and working in Australia. He has a special interest in the creation of affordable, low-impact buildings, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today on the show. So, Peter, you're very welcome to Alchemy. How are things? I'm great, John. Thank you. And yourself? I'm very good, thanks. Just getting over the Christmas festivities. An exciting 2016, I think, ahead for many of us. And I must say, speaking of excitement, I was extremely excited when Stevie, the show's producer, put me on to your work quite recently. And before we delve into the work, I'm going to ask the question that I ask everybody on the show, which is, how did you get, Peter, from where you were to where you are now? Um, Where I was, I suppose, yeah, was a qualified architect working in Dublin in the 70s and yeah experiencing after a while I suppose disillusionment of full-time paid employment and pressure to own a house um, which meant getting into debt so I suppose from there to where I am now living in my own house um, having liberated my time for myself and teaching other people to do that. Um, yeah, it's a 25-year-plus leap from when I started teaching people how to do that in 1989. So, yeah, from working as an architect in Dublin in the 70s to, yeah, living what's normally called an alternative life in the depths of County Leitrim, where I am now. Well, you mentioned mortgage-free there, and I think those two words are going to make a lot of people sit up and take notice straight away but before we get on to that you mentioned as well alternative lifestyle and something I find very interesting about those who lead alternative lifestyles or those of us who try to do our best to do the same is how it's perceived by most of the world at large because we're generally brought up and conditioned to believe that we have to go down a particular path and it's the path that you went down full-time paid employment and I suppose the uh, the general things that are expected of us. How have you found over the years, and it's clearly been quite a lengthy and an ongoing process for you, but how did you find reaction from your peer group, family, friends, people like that, to your decisions and the idea that you had to not go down that traditional path or lifestyle? Um, Interesting question and um, oftentimes perception of what it might be like is what stops people um, from doing it. So it becomes a bit of an excuse. Um, I don't upset the family, don't upset my friends. The truth of it is uh, people actually admire Um, the resolve that it takes to step outside. And once you do step outside, yes, there can be a certain distancing 
uh, from family. Stepping outside and finding some distance between oneself and one's, you know, family or indeed one's friends isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, their reaction to stepping outside a lot of times is sort of protective. Um, but once the person does step outside, they discover lots of people, you know, what might be called fellow travelers. Mm-hmm. So whatever void might uh, develop there where people have taken the step to live alternatively one finds it rapidly filled up with exciting new friends so largely it seems to be a very positive thing when you sit back and take notice of it then despite some of the initial difficulties perhaps uh, yeah there are interesting challenges um like we're 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 sort of living in the time now where you know, some fresh thinking is called for, um, say, in comparison to and new initiatives in comparison to the 70s where everything, you know, was being presented as yeah, you get a job, you get a pension plan, you you get a mortgage and everything will be hunky-dory. Mm. Um, you know, that's proved not to be the case. Um, it's getting more difficult you know, people's time is under amazing pressure. Um, you know, the environmental movement really only started in the 70s. Um, you know, we've seen the consequences of what was predicted. Um, so some fresh thinking in terms of how people, especially young people, you know, spend their lives is being called for. And because houses have so much to do with all aspects of our life, particularly our economic life and certainly our emotional life, uh, we need to bring some fresh thinking to the whole topic of housing or what I prefer to call shelter making. Um, Because what's really happened since the 70s is uh, the fact that people need houses is exploited by the market in in respect of basically forcing people to borrow large amounts of money mm. in order to acquire a home and that the option of you know maybe spending a year or two of one's time especially when you're young uh, building a house a small house perhaps um, out of you know money one might have or maybe a small amount of borrowing and freeing oneself up you know, from the burden of 30 years, basically, servitude. Um, you know, if that was an option there that people could exercise, you know, some a lot of people would exercise it. Yes, some people would go down the straight and narrow. Um, but there would be a viable option there, particularly for young people who are interested in creative aspects of their lives, music, writing, perhaps, uh, dance, painting. Um, these things have you know, been neglected in terms of people's lives and certainly in terms of conventional housing. Yeah, one can sleep and eat and, you know, keep one's body clean. But in terms of creativity, the the modern house really doesn't provide a lot of um, opportunities for people to explore those sides of their lives. And I think the fact that so much of the house building that has gone on, certainly in Western cultures, is designed to maximise profit for those who build it and those who 
I suppose the financial institutions who give out the money or the loans or whatever yeah. people want to call it and that is certainly not conducive to individuals because we are all unique yeah. creatures we're all completely different and if we're living in this yeah. kind of box yeah. living that is the complete antithesis yeah. to what we should be doing in terms of creativity and following yeah. our own path I think yeah, well, this is this is actually very clear, and a lot of people understand this. Um, and it it is what has happened. That's what an economy is. It's ensuring that people, you know, have access to yeah, food, shelter, water, and so on. That's the basis of an economy. Everyone has the same needs. We're all doing the same thing, mm. rich and poor alike. We're maintaining our aliveness. To do that, we need uh, we need food, we need water. It, it's that vulnerability, really, that the market exploits in terms of um, hooking people into, you know, an economic system that really only favours a small amount of people. So we've shifted from a time a couple of hundred years ago where people were able to make their own dwellings hmm. themselves, no borrowings at all, <laughs> and provide their own needs of food and have a means of, of trading, you know, their surpluses uh, for, you know, necessities like salt and so on to a situation now where I saw a figure the other day, it would take an average couple 24 years to set aside a deposit, a deposit to acquire property. So what we're seeing is, yeah, we're seeing home ownership being marginalized and people being forced to pay um, the equivalent of a mortgage every month for rent, but at the end of the day, they don't actually own anything. It yeah. is such a cynical system. But I, I want to concentrate on the positive, mm. on the on the situation really of how people have con themselves have contributed to the, this situation. Now, this is not a criticism of people. Um, my my criticisms rest you know, with the system as it's um, had been ordained, but where where people themselves contribute to that, you know, where they collude with it, you know, where people have given up what I call shelter making, mm. where people have stopped doing that. This appears to me where this disconnect is happening. Um, between people and let's call it real life, where, where, where people feel this disconnect. You know, they, they might be materially well off, uh, they have money in their pocket, they're young, they have lots of things going for them, and yet there's this disconnect that it appears from my own experience and speaking to others who've gone down this path that the making, well, certainly the growing of the food, people are aware of it, that it it connects them to, let's say, nature in this very deep way. But what I call shelter making, which is making, can be a very simple building. We do it on our children. We we make, um, you know, playhouses or as grown-ups, we make habitable buildings. Yeah. The experience of doing that and then of occupying it, it creates this amazing connect into this deeper aspects of life, what I call the invisible architecture, I call it, 
It's the parts of buildings that you can't actually see and yet are, are such a vital part of how they feel to us. It's, it's sort of like looking at ourselves that we have a physical side to us, our bodies, which we can see, of course, mm-hmm. um, or other people can see and we can see ourselves in the mirror. But we also have an inner world of our imaginations, our dream world, um, our emotional world. All of this is invisible. Now, buildings are very similar. They have a physical thing, the walls, the roof, and so on. And then they have this invisible part that, interestingly enough, is inside them. And this actually is a mirror for our own inner world. Again, the parts of ourselves that we can't see, and yet that that they're the vital aspects. It's like we can't see life as such. We can't see life energy. Mm. We can feel it. So when we make a building, no matter how simple it is, we engage with this invisible realm. And as a consequence, then we connect in uh, to nature and we connect into the, that invisible aspect of, of life. And this appears to me to be what is actually happening, uh, where we've achieved this level of material success and ease to an extent, and yet we have this unease with, we don't quite get the whole picture. We sense that there's more. And it's that sense that comes out of our own invisible, really imaginative world that the shelter making process, and it can be something very, very simple, just a simple room that would be big enough to sleep in or cook in or just meditate in. Mm. This access to this inner world and there all sorts of amazing things happen and it's it's quite a different really way of life and perception of life to what we have been in the 20th century 21st century really conditioned to think of you know that that's what life is you know striving acquiring and settling all of those things that are demands really of the machine age they're actually not compatible with what we are as human beings peter this is absolutely (laughs) fascinating and really resonates it sounds to me like you're talking about a form of heart-based architecture, like the the left and the right brains coming together to create something more, which I have never encountered before in what would traditionally be, I suppose, perceived to be an academic field or quite a a rigid left-brain structural type field. This is absolutely fascinating to me. Well, it is fascinating. And it's not actually new, curiously enough. When when we look back or a person looks back this idea that architecture had this living quality, I call it actually living architecture. Mm. It, it, it's like considering that the building is really, it's really a mirror of oneself that you can like in Alice in Wonderland, you can actually step into, you, you can actually get inside yourself. It's sort of fascinating what happens. Uh-huh. But if you look back, at the ancient architectural traditions, you know, beginning in India with the Vastu Shastra tradition, yeah, they believed that you could attract good energy in a place and that you could benefit from that. 
And feng shui that most people would be familiar with from China is a derivative of Vastu Shastra from India. And that has as its essence, yeah, the gathering of good energy of qi. And that's what we need to, um, to maintain our aliveness. That's what we're doing when we make shelter. We want to stay alive. And to stay alive, we have to have good quality life, connecting deeply into one's own imaginative world, listening to what's happening using one's senses. These are all aspects of architecture that have been understood for thousands of years now. Generally speaking, people in what's called the vernacular architectural tradition, which is making their houses for themselves in these things. So say in the Irish tradition, the Irish um, house, um, the center of life, the center of survival, births, deaths, and oftentimes marriage happening in the same simple space made by people themselves using their common sense, using their shared knowledge. And all of these activities around living and shelter making, they are the basis of culture. This is what we do when we go on holidays. We send postcards home of the traditional house of wherever we are. It's the, you know, the iconic statement of nature of a culture and of course if we look at any really part of Ireland rural or urban <laughs> you know when we see that you know what the contemporary house looks like it's such a shocking indictment of the state of our culture in any event when people stopped doing this for themselves when people stopped making their own houses and you know expressing themselves culturally in favor of the job world. So this basically goes back to the beginning of the machine age and the industrial revolution. People um, set time that they used before that to build their own houses. They sold their time and took paid employment, a job in other words. They didn't have time to make their own houses. Yeah. That was the beginning of the contemporary life style. So a building industry grew up around that um, need people had for housing. Now, because architects never were involved in uh, what I call shelter making, it was never part of the architectural tradition. They were always interested in large buildings, you know, or houses for important people like kings and so on. Okay. They, they have no skill in house design. When it comes down to it, nobody has. There's no school of house design. Uh, there's, um, you know, designers that are profit driven builders that create design some guy goes into work on monday and goes yeah okay you know a thousand square feet uh, three bedrooms um a non-suite bathroom there's no consideration given to uh, creativity there's no consideration given to adaptability if someone might want to do a home business or what if granny comes to live with us there's no thought given 
you know, to help people actually want to live or creating a context where people's lives can expand when they're in their houses. They're purely boxes in which people can rest and reproduce mm. in order to keep serving the system. So, of course, people, you know, acquire all sorts of material goods and bring them home that they might actually feel they might actually feel better yeah <laughs> feel that void of eh? course we're at the age now where people are realizing yeah no matter how much stuff you get you know if you're not connected emotionally you know if you're not deeply satisfied it doesn't matter how much stuff you got <laughs> you're miserable yeah. you're probably more miserable because you know you're you're stuck in the middle of the clutter um so all of this arises from people stopping making their own houses. This is my point. It's not the system is going, oh, we're going to exploit people. Yeah, they think like that, but it's not a conspiracy. It's where people stopped, yes, because they thought that the machine age and the material thing was the way to go. Fair enough. You know, we all make mistakes. We can see now that... The, the way it's been set up on this endless growth model basically just rapes and destroys the planet. Yet yeah, it's taken a while because it's a pretty big thing. But, yeah. you know, humanity has managed to, to make a mess of it based on that growth model. So, okay, we need to find another way. And it, surviving ain't that hard, <laughs> interestingly enough. It's not that difficult. In fact, it's pretty damn difficult to starve yourself or in a lot of cases kill yourself unless you do something really extreme. So, so we have this drive to stay alive. And if, if we use that creatively, you know, to make some food, to, to make simple shelter, yeah, based on that experience alone, we can connect to life in this way that just opens up all of this world to us that that's just a completely different from yeah the work mortgage um, commute um, dead end really is what it is um, and all of this hinges on people just taking this back like you can do this on the kitchen table you, you can you can imagine a little cabin for yourself and you can make a scale model out of a cardboard box and even that will will get your blood flowing to the point where you want to go out and do it in the back garden and that's the interesting thing you can build in your back garden you know quite a large structure without any need to get planning permission because yeah they've a provision there for people who want to build sheds in their garden where they don't have to bother getting planning and so on. So, th so there's a lot of opportunity there, especially for young people, to yeah make themselves simple building in the back garden and 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 just to experience that. And it's such a great connection with other people because it, it, it's like we all have this innate architect inside us that as children we don't have a problem expressing it we go oh we're going to go play house today when we get older and get jobs that you know we have to be in some sort of conventional you know shelter and you know we we disconnect from all that imaginative world and are miserable as a result 
I agree with you there. And I think then the big question that will be on a lot of people's lips at this point is how to make that disconnect or that reconnection, if you like, from the permanent pensionable box life existence to that more creative world. Because I know some of the obstacles that will be thrown by people in front of themselves with regard to it are, well, yeah. I already have the mortgage or how am I going yeah. to come up with of another course. mortgage to build <laughs> or do I need land or are the practicalities of it? So let's of have a look course. at maybe the design process and the practicalities because yeah. it's not as difficult as we may initially think, is it, Peter? It isn't. It isn't. It's interesting. You, you sort of got it right on the, on the, hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, all of these resistances come up you know, people go, oh, I already have a mortgage or, you know, the back garden's too small. It's just amazing. It, it's, this is what people see. They, they, they just see all this resistance. And it's not because it's an illusion. Yeah, the resistance is there. It's like gravity. Hmm. Nobody wants a person to step outside the system that's tested and succeed that is the curious thing yeah you see if you fall on your face they go oh wow i really admire you for stepping outside it's just too bad now you've ended up you know in the mud mm. so the successful alternative person is vilified <laughs> why shows that it's practical and it's possible and where people are afraid because fear immediately this is what all these obstacles or imagined obstacles are all generated by our own fear and why are we fearful because we're all primed to survive so something untried something untested yeah we're wary of it so we try and poke and prod and find you know where the weaknesses are because we're basically afraid. But if we, if we face up to our fear and say, well, what do I have to lose by getting a cardboard box from the supermarket and sitting down at the kitchen table and making myself a little model of a, a little cabin I'm going to make in the back garden? You'll discover nothing but excitement. And then you might go on to go, well, why can't I just make it in the back garden? Yeah. Yes, and, you know, stuff will come up, what will the neighbors think, or this, or that. But if you just see all those things as imaginary obstacles, and actually go do it, you, you'll, you'll find yourself tapping into this energy where you can just sit down and have a good laugh at yourself for being so uptight. <laughs> it's, it's getting into the play zone, it's getting into the life zone, it, it's tapping into that free energy that's there that we can take responsibility for our lives because this is the amazing thing that's happened as a result of fossil fuels you know for all the downsides like climate change and you know the rape of the earth and everything else we have been freed up to the point where there are so many resources available to us that you know just with uh, even a hand cart going around neighborhoods you probably gather enough material to make a little shelter yeah the resistances you will meet in large case will be people you know trying to pull you back because you're looking too damn happy and you're not taking your paid work seriously anymore <laughs> yeah the, the irony of it it is the irony of it because the nub of all of this is interestingly enough it all 
this all falls into what I call the invisible architecture. So what is that invisible architecture? What is this invisible part of buildings? It's actually the space. If you imagine it, yeah, you make a building. Um, what you're doing is you're enclosing a portion of space. And of course, space is invisible. You can't see it, but you can put boundaries on a piece of space and say, okay, this is my house. So what your house actually is, is a piece of space. You're going, okay, this is my space. Hmm. Now, space and time are interconnected. So it's your, your piece of space and your piece of time is what it is. And that is an invisible um, thing. And what people have done in the industrialized economy, they've actually sold their time. I'm going to get a mortgage. I'm going to sell um, 30, 30 years of my time I'm going to sell in order to have this house of my own. And you basically sell your time. Now, when you sell your time, I mean, time is all you get when you come into the world. Yeah. You know, you come in naked and you, you get a certain amount of time. You don't know how much time that is. Um, but it's precious stuff, your time. So if you sell that time to, you know, a stranger, essentially, who promise, you know, to give you money regularly, <laughs> you know, unless that person, who, whatever way they earn that money is ethical and compatible with you, I mean, you, you'll, you'll be destroying yourself. Whereas if you take your time and you spend some of your time, you know, making your food and you spend some of your time making your house. Um, but once you've had your house made, you get to spend your time in it. And that's the interesting thing, because it provides this safe place for us to be ourselves. That's what we do. We make boundaries around ourselves. We call them walls. And we make fences outside of those. And yet people aren't free to just sort of wander in. Not even the police can come in through your front door unless they have proper, you know, cause. Hmm. That we're selling ourselves too cheap. Whereas if we create a context where we can spend our time creatively, we, we, we really have no idea what's going to happen, but we can be promised creativity and people say, oh, the alternative life is so time-consuming. Yeah, but it's such low-grade work, like weeding or, or, you know, harvesting, that it frees us up, our imaginations up to, you know, have the most wonderful experiences, particularly in the, in the creative area. And it's very interesting when you mentioned there that people do perceive the alternative lifestyle as being time consuming. Is there anything more time consuming than giving your time to somebody else for 35 odd years in exchange for a paycheck? That's yeah. the most time consuming people thing you can possibly do because it's not living in the vast majority of cases. Yeah, actually, the truth of it is, it's life that's time consuming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> it is. And it's it's devaluing that life. And that's how we remember people. You go to a cemetery, what does it say? It says they were born this year and they died that year. That is how we record, you know, people's lives. It's time. 
And because space and time are interconnected, when you sell your time, you sell your space. So there you have it, the mortgage shelter. People never feel they own it. And they, you ask them, they say, oh, yeah, the bank owns it. Yeah. Yes. We've sold our most precious thing, our time. And, yeah, it's only now that we can see the consequences of it because... Yeah, it seemed, you know, the industrial way, though when you read, you know, back when the industrial revolution got underway, you know, that, that expression, the dark satanic mills dates from that date that, you know, the romantic poets could see the destructiveness of the, of the machine. And of course, the machine is heartless and soulless. So... You know, where we've lost this connect, it's connecting in to the deeper and invisible aspects of life that this is what we've lost because we've, we've cut ourselves off. We've sold the invisible part of ourselves. Um, so, you know, we're colluding with that system. And of course, it makes us feel terrible. And it's very difficult you know, to imagine leaving it because we put, we cast our lot in with it. Yeah. You know, you see, this is the thing. We we believed it, <laughs> <laughs> and it's very hard to unbelieve it. Where, yeah, we feel emotionally, we're dependent on it, and this is where we need to expand. This is why it's so valuable speaking to you before anything needs to happen, we need to start talking about this. Yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> you see, because we, we, we know when you hear it, it's true. You see, it's, it's not some sort of, oh, you know, do you want to believe this? We know it. Yeah, it, it resonates because immediately. It resonates. We know it. It's just, I've spent a long time thinking about it that I've pieced it together, you know, how it's all being perpetuated, because it isn't some big conspiracy, how things have been pictured, you know, it's just how it's worked out. And it's fortunate in so many ways that, you know, that structured world of certainty and everything else is coming apart, you know, that there's cracks showing, because I always knew it, it it was flawed, but as long as it was intact, you know, what could one say? Yeah. But now that, it, you know, there's cracks appearing, you know, we have to go, okay, you know, maybe we should start thinking about another way. And a lot of the alternative stuff that happened from the 70s on was unsuccessful and it was easy for people to look down on it mm. you know the, the unfinished house the you know the beaten up car with the leaky exhaust um you know all of the stuff that people associate with the alternative life that they could look down on it because they had to look down on it <laughs> you have to justify your own choices yeah that's it you see you know, where people are fulfilled and they're not advertising it. Why not? Because they value their time and their peace and their quiet and their, you know, their little peace to heaven. 
Mm. A huge amount of it does boil down to personal responsibility. I think that's the message that's really coming through there for me as you speak. Instead of worrying about what other people are doing. It is. It's actually saying, this is my life. And I've, I've been empowered by this experience of being born. And a, a lot of it then goes, actually, believe it or not, to consciousness. This is what's so amazing and actually is one of the obstacles in the way of fulfillment that a lot of people are scared that they're going to end up sitting inside this building that they've made and they're they're afraid to encounter themselves yeah when you articulate it you say oh that's ridiculous but we're so used to giving over responsibility for our lives to other people yeah that to take it ourselves we're almost like it's like being handed a little baby or a fragile dropping you know we don't want to stuff up but it's very hard to stuff up really if you're listening to your senses and you're tuning in and you're connecting, life doesn't send us, send us down the wrong path. It's the brain that does that. If we really listen and tune in, we don't get led astray. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And I think the real difficulty in my own experience anyway, aside from some of the teething problems that one may have with regard to family or friends or that kind of thing, the real difficulty is the internal struggle or the wrestling with our worldview that is a conditioned worldview by and large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, the all um, exciting and fulfilling in terms of managing them. So we're we're really talking about, you know, the resurgence of the of the of the poetic, of the musical, of the feminine. Yeah, sure. no, I get you. <laughs> because when we start looking at this, um, so much of that world that we're referring to. The, the mechanistic world um, is actually all male thought forms. It, yeah, there's been a, a huge suppression of the sacred feminine since the Industrial Revolution. It's been obvious. Exactly. Yeah, the whole thing of the of the rationalization, the um, the rise of logic, the um, the Inquisition, um, you know, the burning of women. All of that stuff preceded the Industrial Revolution, and it, it's a male thought form, and and the, the the rebalancing. Because if we look at nature, all of nature is composed of you know dynamic opposites. Everything has an opposite, and there's no there's no static balance. It's all a, a, a dynamic balance. Everything is shifting and moving all the time. Mm. One point, this side is in the Ascent and then the other side is, but the marginalization of women has just left this preponderance of male energy in the world, and it ain't very pretty. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, so balancing everything up, you see, to, to make a place, it's simple shelter. We have to sensitize. And just the very word itself, we, we immediately think of the feminine. 
you know, we, we, we have to become more sensitive, sensitive to our own needs, sensitive to our, our life energy, um, sensitive to the planet, sensitive to each other. It, it, there's so many sensitivities demanded that really that, that's all we should be doing with our time. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's just simplify everything. Curiously, the real challenge here is not how to grow vegetables or how to make a simple shelter. All pretty straightforward. Yeah, we need to get a bit of training. It's actually uh, working stuff out between each other is really the challenge, um, the interpersonal conflict. So we see this all the time, eco-villages or eco-groups or, yeah, it doesn't even have to have an eco-appellation. You know, people are squabbling left, right and center because, yeah, the fossil fuels has also delivered us all this personal freedom. So why should I have to bother you know, changing how I think or how I express myself to suit some other person. You know, I won't use foul language, but, you know, everybody wants to be able to just do whatever they want when they want. Yeah. Yeah, fine. You know, give it a go. Great. But when it comes down to it, you want to connect with other people. (laughs) And am I willing to relinquish some of my personal territory in order to have a deep connection with other people? Yes, I am. You know, because being isolated ain't all that much fun. Yeah, it's fine when you're connected in, but I want to interact with people. I want to be stimulated. I want to play music with people. I want to, you know, read my poetry or I want to hear someone else's. You know, I, I want the stimulus and the buzz of connecting in a deep way with other people. Yeah, I don't necessarily want to live with them, but I, I want to be able to get together with them yeah. and have a good time. <laughs> and you see, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people, certainly in my conversations with them when I'm discussing this kind of thing um, over the last number of years, that's one of the fears, the great fears of people that is that you become an island and an alternative lifestyle means you have to go and live in a cabin in the woods. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about taking the best bits from different lifestyles that suit the individual best. And if you're an individual who needs personal contact, I believe we all do. But if you're somebody who needs a lot of that, what, what you're talking about is not to the exclusion of that. It's to include no. it into a kind of a holistic yeah. Um, lifestyle that suits you and not anybody else in particular but you it's like oh my god um, how did we miss this one Um, yeah largely because the the topic of housing and the the looking at it in a deeper way isn't you know all people can talk about in terms of houses is where is it located how much is it worth how many bedrooms does it have yeah you know, it does make you happy. Um, you know, there, there's no exploration of the invisible parts of it um, at all. So it's like, like we've been completely blinded to this housing thing. And the curious thing is there's no school of house design. Yeah, people imagine it's responsibility of architects, but it isn't. It never was. You know, architects were always, okay, the king, the pharaoh, whatever. 
um, the big job is where the money is. The housing they'll do, you know, for the client that wants to build 20 factories or open 20 shops, okay, we'll do your house, but they don't like it because it, it involves people's lives, whereas the hotel, it doesn't matter. It, you just have to make the doors and the beds the right size for the average person. You don't have to take life into account, <laughs> which is what you have to do when you design a house. So as soon as people stop making their own houses, the knowledge of how to do it disappeared because you learned it from your uncle, you learned it from your community. As soon as people stop doing it, knowledge disappeared. Yes, we have remnants of it in our genes. So by doing it, we, we can realize within five minutes, oh my God, you know, how did I know that? We have remnants of it because it's a survival skill. <laughs> so we know how to do it. It's not an issue. The issue really is taking, like you said, responsibility for our lives. And that is the most exciting thing. You go, oh, my God, you know, I, who am I? What an interesting question. The most interesting question, I think, because most of us have no idea. Well, you're right, <laughs> but it's, it's a good argument for what you were proposing there earlier on. Yes, we can interact with each other in all these interesting ways because, it, you know, we're like bats to some extent. We, we send out noise and then we listen to what comes back. Yeah. So if we all like exactly what we're doing, you know, we're talking to each other. Mm. We're exploring this topic. And yeah, there are people listening who are going, oh my God, what's that guy's web address? I want to look it up. <laughs> because it's really interesting stuff, especially for young people. Now, on the practical side of it, yes, there are challenges there. Most of those challenges relate to people trying to pull you back and say, oh, it's impractical or you'll get into trouble or whatever. Yeah, deaf ears is the way to deal with that. Yeah, because I can, I can picture it. I walk into a room and I tell my friends, right, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> and straight away, there's a, a torrent of, of, yes. of skepticism and abuse and people saying, OK, well, you go and you live in the mud hut and see how you get on without plumbing and without heating and this, that and the other. <laughs> it's not like that. So for the doubters or the naysayers, it's probably a good idea at this point to explore exactly what it is in a practical sense or a structural sense, we're not going to have to live under a bundle of sticks and palm fronds in the back garden. No, of course not. No, no more than we have to eat, you know, you know, spaghetti hoops or something. Yeah. You know, yeah, if you, eat, if you end up eating spaghetti hoops, because why, you know, well, you haven't been properly brought up for starters and <laughs> you've no imagination and you're miserable. Um, so, yeah, you might end up with the equivalent of spaghetti hoop house, but you've only yourself to blame. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you don't have a lot of money, uh, how about putting it this way? A cabin, a small cabin of clay and wattles made. I mean, mud is, is one of the cheapest and most ecological materials you could 
imagine and use and it, just handling it alone um, awakens what I call our shelter maker genes. So yeah, a combination of timber, of clay, um, natural materials like linseed, oil, um, you know, beautiful materials to handle and smell and touch, you know, sensuous materials, no concrete, nothing um, of that manufactured nature or as little of it as possible. Like, yes, you'll need glass for your windows and, you know, maybe a little cast iron stove, but you, 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 you keep those things to a minimum and you, you, you invest in quality so that it will last for years. Um, so you're really connecting into the natural world. This is really the essence of eco-building. It's, yeah, we can justify it and logically and say, oh, it's good for the environment. It's actually good for us because we're, we're, we're connecting into the natural world. We're, we're stimulating in a positive way our senses, something good to smell, something good to touch. And it's these things that allow us really to melt inside to, to, oh, it's like putting on your favorite, you know, sweatshirt or something. Oh, oh, that feels so good. I know it's falling apart and it's worn out and everything else, but it just feels so good that we want to make buildings that feel like that to us. Yeah. And we don't have to do a lot else. It, it sort of takes care, it's, its own chemistry comes into play then. It, you know, we'll move in a particular direction then. It, it will, it, we can imagine the ideal little cabin as, you know, like the, the beautiful terracotta pot that you put the beautiful plant in and you make sure it has the right nutrients and the right amount of sunlight and the right amount of water so that your plant will bear fruit. Well, we can think of ourselves and our cabins like that. We're, we're, we're creating nutrients for ourselves to bear fruit. Mm. And, you know, what that fruit will be like, we have no idea. We can sense it, that that's what we're doing. We're, we're nurturing our aliveness. We're, we're, we're shifting into this really other way of being. And this is really the juncture that we are at as human you know, beings. We're, 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 we're shifting into this, I would say, this age of consciousness. And, and this is the aspects of the, of the space that's so interesting. You know, this space that we enclose when we make buildings like the space inside of us that is our sort of dream world that it, it's really the seat of our consciousness that we by by consciously making a building to um, nurture our survival and growth we're we're stimulating our our consciousness and it it's a it it's a whole new way of of being in the world really um as opposed to the, you know, the competitive, the, the time poor mechanistic world that, you know, is, is so obviously, you know, failing at this point. I must say, Peter, I'm so impressed by the esoterically organic response you gave to my question there, because I think a lot of people would have been expecting, well, here's what you need to do. You need to contact me straight away and I'll design 
your house for you and it won't cost you as much as a mortgage, but I'll make a load of money off it and it's done in this set way. But I mean, what you've said is totally in line with the conversation that we've had. Everything is different. So you kind of have to find your own path with regard to what space and what house and what dwelling it is that you like. And then you proceed from there as opposed to saying, right, here are the plans, go build it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have, I've I've written um, a book on the house design uh, process and I have a course available at low cost if if someone wants to make a small building in their back garden, I've developed a framing system uh, that um, the most inexperienced person uh, could follow uh, successfully. So, yeah, I have resources available to people um, who who want to move down this path and I've written extensively on the topic that people can look at my website and you know, read some of these ideas at um, in their own time because you see we're, we're to look at the state of the world positively is very important at this point um, that you know, when I was a young man in the 70s and, you know, through the 80s into the 90s, everything, relatively speaking, seemed okay in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it was hard to justify yeah, living an alternative life. It, it was, you know, sort of turning your back on things to some extent, even though it wasn't why I chose that way of life. It, it you know, I sensed there was a better sort of life to be had. Mm. Um, and I still, you know, believe that I'm just more certain that it is it is it is possible. But in in, in terms of the average person, you know, looking at the state of the world and going, oh, there's never really been a better time to step outside. Um, you know that all the opportunities are there now. Uh, we have abundant resources. The world's still functioning. Um, that we, because it's a relatively time-consuming process, you know, there is no instant cabin, though you could create an instant cabin, but it it won't deliver that level of connectivity that you're going to get from making it, Um, because that's partly where the magic is. It's, It's not so much the delicious meal, it's the shopping and preparing the meal is is really where the love and the slowness and the connectivity happens yeah and then people eat it in 10 minutes it's like oh my god i just spent the afternoon in the kitchen it's like you know lovingly preparing a meal except yeah you get it being it then for you know as long as you want You've hit on something there that resonates with me because on a macro level, isn't that what life is about as well? It's not about just reaching 65 or 70 years of age and cashing in the pension, which so many people seem to live as if it is. It's about the journey along the way. So, I mean, it's, it's almost like as yeah. above, so below what you're describing there. It's look at the microcosmic aspects of what you're doing yeah. in daily life, including yeah. building your home, your dwelling, your house. And the yeah. macro will then take care of itself, and you'll be more fulfilled as a result. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're actually, yeah, you're, you're you're spending your time living, you yeah. know, the the things that are important. And yeah, once the house is made, 
yet the food will continue, you know, to be part of the connective tissue. Um, interestingly, the water will too, um, as people shift towards, you know, harvesting their water and all that's involved in that, uh, producing f fuel, um, growing trees and so on to stay warm. Yeah, the food thing is clear. You know, people know that they've never actually given up, you know, growing and producing food. People, you can imagine if they did, if, 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 if people had stopped growing food at the early part of the Industrial Revolution, let's say, like they stopped making their houses um, and that you had to get planning permission, you know, for your vegetable garden. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be so absurd. But it, that, that's what's happened with the shelter. People have, have given it up to the point now where if they want to build something, they have to go through this complicated thing of getting permission to do it. It's like, oh my God. And yeah, you're then being forced to do it in a particular way because people did not value the the um, the facility of making their own house. Yeah, and of course the planning thing is put over as always for your old for your own good to protect the environment. Wow, well they've done a splendid job, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the place is a mess. You know, so what's being protected? What's being protected is the economy, of course. You know, the big boys, the, the banks, the, you know, the system. It, it's, you know, that's what's being... It, it, the, the fact that people can live in these houses, that, you know, that they've mortgaged up is just, you know, an incidental side effect. You know, it's, it's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to you know, to, to tie a millstone around their neck, you know, to, to get them to pay in. Like, yeah, if you're in your own line of business, yeah, having repeat customers is great. Okay, so here's a repeat customer for 30 years. You know, that's, you know, what's being done. Okay, we'll get people to promise they're going to give us this money every week. Mm. And everybody knows, you know, building materials you know, are, are not that expensive. So what are they paying for? <laughs> what are they paying for exactly? Yeah, they're paying for the fact it's the only way you can get it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like they go on about, oh, we can't have monopolies. Yeah, well, hang on a minute. You know, we need to push back here a bit. You know, we need to get more antsy. Like, why are people more antsy? Yeah, because... It's, you know, survival stuff. Yeah, but once you make that conscious, you know, you, you, you get more verbose because you realize, oh, my God, yeah, we're being screwed here. You know, it's not as if the mortgage shelter was like luxury, fabulous, healthy, um, empowering or something. You know, they're crappy. Houses are made to flush people out the door in the morning. Yeah. You know, to Starbucks or to the shopping mall or, you know, worse to still to work, you know, get out, get out, get out. You know, your average apartment in the city. Oh, my God, I got to get out of here. Mm. You know, you, you don't want to be in them because they're toxic, you know, and toxic thought forms that make them. 
you know, this is the, you know, the, the, the tragedy of it. You know, we've made such a crappy built environment. Oh, my God. Like, where's the safe place? You know, out in the country under a tree somewhere. If you're lucky. Yeah, and I mean, who knows that safe place better than yourself or who should know if you're willing to explore yourself? You're the one who's going to know the answer to that question, not somebody else necessarily. Well, of course, this is the interesting thing. It's also the challenge of it. But by joining together, you see, work groups are great for this Mm. because if you can create a safe place, because like this conversation, you know, we're, we're, we're just talking about it. Yeah, you say, oh, well, what about this? What about that? Yeah, we don't need any defensiveness. We're all, you know, tuned in the same way. Um, that we're, you know, the other people are there because everyone is interested in this. <laughs> you see? Yeah. And that's where the energy is. You know, he wants, you know, I've had loads of people come and help me make my place because they want to learn. It's a perfect trade. You see, it's a perfect new economy. People making little houses for themselves because you won't be able to do it all yourself. You know, you'll have to have someone help with the plumbing, probably the electrics, um, you know, someone make windows. It, it's the perfect alternative economy. And, and it needs for people to be doing it together. Because you can buy materials in bulk, you can do all sorts of things. It's just you need to be able to go to your own place when you've had enough of other people or you just want to be with a particular person or whatever. It, it, it's not hard to, you know, to imagine it. You know, it's like the old village models or the dispersed village model from rural Ireland. You know, you can wander the roads to your buddy's house and have a bit of music or a bit of chat, or you can go over to so-and-so because, you know, they grow the best carrots or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so open-ended. It's so exciting. It's so full of potentiality. And it's all about slowing down and, and coming at it from a completely life-centered like life doesn't move at 60 miles an hour (laughs) yeah like if you watch the moon rise it it ain't moving any quicker than it did a million years ago you know it still takes an age to come up over the horizon meanwhile you know 25 cars have gone yeah yeah we're the machine invites us to live at this pace that's completely unnatural of course we're all frazzled (laughs) so when you take your time back you can get more into the rhythm of life you know and a day is the same length as it was a million years ago you know and at this time of the year yeah there's more time for contemplation and reading because there's longer periods of dark You know, the summertime, yeah, you're flat out from early morning to late at night. You know, you get back into the rhythm of life. And like I say, life doesn't set us wrong. (laughs) You know, it's always fulfilling because we always have things to learn. And and that's why we're here. You know, we're not here to make cans of beans like that. Yeah. There's a fluidity as you speak that's, uh, that's really coming to the fore. 
it's about working with life and nature and the world around us as opposed to constantly trying to battle against it and banging our heads against that proverbial brick wall. Yeah, because there's life telling us, hang on a minute, there's something not right here. Mm. <laughs> You're raping me. Like, yeah. men, wake up, guys. She's saying, no, thank you. You see, we're, we're not... Um, it, it, you know, the, the idea of caring for the earth, considered a weakness, is appalling and shocking. It's sensitivity. It, it's, you see, no wonder we live in this heartless world, you, you know, where the logic has been used as the basis of decision making, you know, where we're actually talking about life. You know, logic just doesn't um, cut the mustard. Yeah. You see? And and this is what we're seeing with the refugees and everything. It's, you know, this closing off, uh, you know, or, or filtering in a particular way um, of, oh, isn't it awful? And actually entrenching more because it's shocking for us to see people who have lost their home and their place you see yeah it's heartbreaking you know we can't bear to see it because it's what we're afraid of well that's it it's our it's our deep-rooted fears yeah and the irony of it is that um you know we we manage you see this is what's amazing by that same experience of seeing those refugees walking all that way, mm-hmm. you see what we can actually achieve. Um, so the idea of, you know, making a little cabin being difficult, like, do you want to laugh first or will I laugh first? <laughs> it's absurd, you see? Yeah. Or worrying about it is absurd. Because if you're pushed to it, none of those obstacles will seem substantial <laughs> because you know you just got off the boat and you're going to walk to Germany like come on people yeah it really is about perspective isn't it totally totally see we're all the time um, you know protecting ourselves you know from shock from um discomfort, um, all of which will happen anyway. It, it's just if we choose our level of discomfort, okay, actually get into those work clothes, you know, early in the morning. And I guarantee you, once you're into them and you're into the groove of working, you'll be buzzing. It's just thinking about it. And a lot of it is around thinking. You see, part of the alternative life choice thing for people the hardest thing is actually a perception that they're losing status yeah it's psychological it's not real you know they perceive that they'll have a reduced status yeah okay so what's the big deal unless you have that same value system you're judging yourself by yeah (laughs) so you get an opportunity to go okay i'm just another bogey asshole you know, I look down on people that are free, you know, so it's a self-inquiry stuff where you can shed attitudes that maybe are a bit passe, 
you know, it gives us all this opportunity to, you know, for for cleansing and wholeness and um, these are the rewards, you know, that, that, you know, we feel connected again. You know, we have a better sense of who we are and that we can help each other because that's, you know, what life is delivering on the planet right now. Like, yeah, it may not suit certain people, but mostly just people that have set up this paper world that things have to outpicture in this particular way. <laughs> you know, that that guy will keep paying his mortgage. Exactly. And that, that paper world isn't suiting most of us as it is. So. <laughs> well, of course not. Because it's it's not life based. It it's based on a on a demand that life outpictures a particular way. Yeah. I mean, this is the shortcoming of the economic system. All these bits of paper that say everything has to stay the same because of these bits of paper. Like yeah. how absurd is that? Like yeah. a child would laugh at it if you explained it to them. And yet people live like that, you know, that, yeah, the, the world is changing. It's the bits of paper that are out of step, man. <laughs> exactly. And what fun is an outcome-based life? I mean, if, if well, we have it already prescribed for us, that, that's not fun, is it? Well, you'll have to ask other people. I, I, <laughs> I figured this out when I was young and um, I was never particularly fooled by it. Yes, I, I've, you know, done, ticked the box. I've made one good confession. I've, um, I've had borrowings. I've never had a mortgage. You know, I've, I've been suckered like everyone else, but yeah. it, it didn't take me long to figure out. It, it, it was all, you know, just um, smoke yeah. and mirrors. Um, and I haven't lived my life then according to a particular outcome. I've, I've just lived. And yeah, that is like a fascinating experience because it, it's yeah, the outcome of it is that you, on your deathbed, or I would imagine you on my deathbed, I, I can say, well, <laughs> I, I made good use of my time. Yeah. Because one of the worst things you can experience is, a, is an old person dying who, who feels they haven't made good use of your time. You see? And yeah. the irony of it is, yeah, you you got to get on to it quick because we only have a certain amount of it. Um, how we use our time is so important. That's why we're here. That's individual lives. It's, we've got stuff to do and we might as well just get on with it yeah we don't necessarily know where it's going to go but as i say yeah creating enough food and making a simple shelter is not a big deal so you know we have the resources to spend the time figuring these things out and and to go into a wonderful creative explosion particularly now this year you know the hundred years on from yeah the poets <laughs> yeah. fermenting revolution that we can we can nurture our identity as a people because really the houses we've been building you know for well nigh a thousand years are, are not actually indigenous to our culture they're imported models mm. 
um, it would be nice to see the resurgence of, you know, really the true Irish house and whatever that is, probably the, you know, the great big conical roofed round chieftain's hut with its earthen embankment and its tradition of hospitality and yeah, poetry and music and um, ease, um, you know, that, yeah, people, Irish men that make it big, you know, they usually buy, you know, the Georgian pile yeah. as an expression of their success. So what is the really the true Irish version of the, you know, the Georgian pile? Yeah, it's the chieftain's hut. They just don't want to do it because it, it involves dispensing largesse to their followers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be the tradition of the chieftains. You know, and we see it in the politics, the cronyism and everything like that. Yeah. So exploring, that's what I'd like to do this year, exploring the connection to Earth, because this is what really comes from uh, the shelter-making process, is this connection to Earth and the connection to the land and the healing of the land in this country, the healing of the land from all the pain of the past. You know, where we lost the land and then we were, the crops failed. That we need to reconnect there where we've been disappointed and we've possibly cursed the land to, to reconnect to our land. Because, of course, it's an essential part of shelter making is a place to, to put your building. So the energies, you know, have to be good and connect to our essence as Irish people. Mm -hmm. Because we're actually quite different from the European standard you know, model. You know, we have a more intuitive, we have a more animistic view of life that has been clouded over. We've never lost a sense of it, but we've we've hidden it inside ourselves. Um, that we might see a resurgence of that, and there's no better vehicle uh, for that sort of expression than uh, the shelter-making process. So for those then, Peter, who might like to explore that further and get beyond the standard kind of IKEA box living, how can they find out more about your course? Can it be done online or is it a hands-on physical course? Because I think a lot of people will be interested in that. And tell us about your website as well, because I think there will be big interest in the work that you're putting out there and the material that does exist. <clears throat> okay, the simplest uh, way of accessing material is sheltermaker. Uh, dot com. That's all one word, uh, sheltermaker.com. So there's resources there on the website, a lot of published articles, uh, information on books I've written. Um, yeah, there's an online course then people can follow, which involves yeah, accessing the material and then sending me assignments and yeah, possibly having a Skype um, seminar on their work. So you can you work through the course and um, you design your house and go on to build it. Um, or you can opt to, to configure a design for simple building that could go in your back garden. So those resources are available at low cost on the, on the website and people can contact me uh, through the website. And then over the summer, I'll be running a series of hands-on shelter-making experiences 
where people can come and uh, work with me on my own living architecture and in return for their labor yeah i'll teach them about the the processes of shelter uh, making and it it's sort of been configured as a sort of life-based exercise mm-hmm. um you know people come to Leitrim where i live and yeah get involved with the food and um, the building work um as a th- sort of mini community and then to share our experiences openly with each other of of you know what the experience is like what sort of stuff it brings up because we we tap into our dream world when we get into this stuff and it it always makes for interesting conversation what uh, surfaces because of course Carl Jung the great psychologist used the house as the analogy uh, for people themselves. So when you dreamt about the house, you're actually dreaming about yourself. So mm. developing a design, it, it's, it's like a dream experience. It's like, it's, it's like a lucid dream where we're awake in our own dream that we can um, yeah, experience the magic of the dream married into the practicality of being in physical embodiment. So all that can be accessed uh, at sheltermaker.com. Well, Peter, I must say the work that you're doing absolutely fascinates me. I feel like we could speak for hours on the topic. and <laughs> I hope we can indeed in the future speak for hours on the topic. I'd love to have you back on the show again. But right. um, is there any kind of last message you have for people who have just for the very first time come across your work or even this kind of organic way of thinking with regard to shelter and our dwelling places? Is, is there any kind of message that you have for them that might sum up what we've been talking about or encapsulated in some way uh, well I developed a little slogan there a few years ago called um, uh, live your architecture so I suppose that would be the message to people you know to imagine uh, creating an architecture uh, for yourself so you, you could think of that as, as a sort of a wrapping that you would you know, put around yourself like your, your, you know, your favorite clothing or something. Yet it'd be sloppy enough and big enough that you could move around inside it. But to sort of think of a little place for yourself to 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 just imagine it and dream it, and to take a bit of paper and a pencil or a pen, and 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 and, and start, you know, making little images and start looking around at the built environment in which you exist, you know, particularly the place you live, and how does it make you feel? Do you feel empowered? Do you feel excited? To start looking at the built environment from the point of view of how it makes you feel and to, um, yes, to sensitize oneself to the really the built environment in the knowledge that it all can be improved because the downside of this sensitizing is a person will start to think, oh my God, it's really crappy. (laughs) 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 But to be assured that um, 
using natural materials and sensitivity and imagination and dream and everything else, that it is possible and practical and empowering and exciting to imagine and to physically do it, of course, the, you know, small space for oneself and life will take care of the rest. I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Peter Cowman, thank you so much for joining me on Alchemy Radio. It's been enlightening and personally I'm utterly fascinated by the approach you've taken and I think you're an example for so many people out there. So I wish you all the best with your work in the future. All right, John. Uh, excellent um, interviewer, if I might say so. Um, so it's always very exciting to talk to someone yeah, with a positive um, inquiring mind. And thank you very much for the opportunity. It's a huge pleasure. Alchemy.
hope you've enjoyed this episode of Alchemy. Remember, we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising-free format and are very, very grateful for any help you can offer. We've no fixed cost on donations and everything helps. So, for example, if you could spare even the price of a Big Mac, and let's face it, it's far better to donate the money than to actually spend it on a Big Mac and put that inside your mouth. But anyway, it will go a long way towards keeping us afloat. Our donate button is on the website and your support and assistance is very much appreciated, as I said. Thank you indeed to everybody for your generous recent help and support. We really couldn't do it without you. Our next guest is Jim Fetzer discussing Sandy Hook and much beyond. Until then, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Alchemy. Alchemy. Care. Will. Intelligence. Imagination. Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in?